This is the UK House Builder and Developer from Good to Great series with Gerard Ball, Managing Director of Human Capital Group, helping you build your UK house building teams and businesses fast. We find the top 15% of talent in the market by harnessing the power of big data, 24-7, 365 digital automation platforms and inbound strategies. Leveraged by 20 years successful mid to senior level recruitment experience. In this podcast, recorded as part of a webinar series for Human Capital Group's House Builder Business Resilience Hub, Gerard is joined by two sector veterans, former regional chairman of Bellway Group, John Anderson, and Andy Beasley, former regional chairman of Bellway PLC. With their cumulative years of experience, they provide critical insight in how it's possible to thrive in a crisis. Anderson and Beasley provide a regional chairman's perspective of managing directors and divisional directors, their teams and productivity. They discuss expectations of those roles in this new COVID-19 era, doing things differently, how to adjust teams and work together for maximum efficiency and critical advice to help stay on track. In this session, we really want to try and get into the heads of the regional chairman. You know, the regional chairman are the guys who are overseeing the managing directors have a a slightly bigger strategic view than the MDs do. And I want to understand what they're thinking during these times of crisis. And, you know, what are their expectations from the managing directors and what are their expectations from the the teams who are are doing the job and are are really close to the coalface? And to help me, answer some of those questions. I'm joined by two recently retired regional chairmen. I've got Andy Beasley from Bellway Homes and I've got John Anderson from Barclay Group. Both successfully held the position now for for circa 10 years apiece. So hello and uh, good to have you both here. So just before we we get on to the core topic, I'll start with you first of all, John. At Barclay Homes, what were your core responsibilities as regional chairman? Well, my role within Barclay was to manage two of the largest regeneration schemes, the ones at Royal Arsenal and Kibrook. And really, I always saw the regional chairman's role as as twofold, really. One was the conduit from group, and that was to understand group's ideas and group's thoughts going forward. And then the other, perhaps more fundamental was to make sure that the team was delivering on the business plan and delivering the schemes as we had designed them and as we were planning for them to be. Strong part of the role was also uh, the link with the external partners. And in our position there, it would have been with Greenwich Council, the leader, the members, senior officers, and all community groups. And I saw that as quite a fundamental part of the role. Even to the point, 2004, I I moved on to one of our developments to make sure I could be there uh, 24-7, really, I suppose. And Andy at Bellway? Yeah, well, I retired last July. I was responsible for six operational divisions for Bellway. Three of those were long-term, hardcore divisions at Bellway, mature divisions delivering considerable numbers. And the other part was looking after, uh, well, commencing and growing three new divisions as part of Bellway's organic growth programme, uh, making sure that they kept on stream, delivered year-on-year growth. Obviously, as the regional chairman, I think uh, you're a bit of a guiding light, trying to make sure that 
the operational divisions, deliver the, the sort of mix of units that the Bellway were comfortable with and grow in the businesses. I often used to use an expression with the board of directors at times is that I used to save them from themselves. Amazingly, in amongst that growth, they could perhaps get a bit too ambitious. So again, it was a, a case of just honing them back a little bit at the same time with the new divisions is perhaps trying to ensure that they had got the ambition to grow the divisions and keeping them all in line with you know, the profit. Easy to get sidetracked, easy to sort of deliver growth in numbers, but not necessarily to hang on to the profit forecast. So there is a bit of a guiding light, a sounding board for MDs. I've been around a long time. And just generally to make sure that the that, Bellway that would grow in their share price, delivering for their shareholders. COVID's happened, you know, we're, we're right in the thick of it at the moment. There's actually been some pretty positive signs in the industry. And if you look at sales figures, they've been really good. So whilst we're talking about COVID specifically, I, I want to talk about crisis and when it's all not going so well, when the when the marketplace is going up, up and down. So at the moment, in these times of crisis, what is going on in the minds of the regional chairman at the moment? And I'll start with you, Andy. Well, I think through lockdown, lockdown came as a bit of a surprise to a lot of companies. It will have caught them out. A lot of PLCs particularly half year and full year at the end of June. So lockdown came at a very difficult period. Most house builders tend to be back-end loaded for half year and full year. So chairman, regional chairman over the last uh, three, four months will have been receiving probably instructions and the thoughts of their chief executive, their group finance director, in terms of thoughts going forward, where the numbers are going to be, protecting cash flows, delivering profits. Difficult times, very difficult times, because I think you often can feel a recession coming, but I think on this one, it's sort of extraordinary in its circumstance. Mm-hmm. So the thoughts going forward of regional chairman will be to get the division back to operational status. That right. about a mixed situation with people, some people working from home, a lot of people mm-hmm. furloughed. I think initially now it's sort of got the sites back working, They've opened their sales office probably on a visitor-only basis. You're now getting your offices back into into work. And that will bring with it all sorts of issues, I suspect. And John? Well, I think the most fundamental thing is is getting up to date with everything. And I, I think what chairmen do is try to control everything, if they possibly can. So there's going to be this feeling now of sort of 10 weeks of actually not having your finger on the pulse. So I think trying to create those lines of communication are going to be fundamental. And then also taking on that role of trying to understand what is the new normal? What is the new way forward? What are we actually going to have to start thinking about? So then you start your risk assessment. But the first thing is, let's just get a view of where we are, where we stand today. With regards to that, does a company, does a PLC have a, a crisis management SOP plan in the locker drawer, which they then pull out and go, is, is this going to work? Does, does it work like that? You're always thinking that you understand what the big risks are. This one has caught us all out. This is different to what any of us have been used to. Andy and I would have been through two major recessions back in the 1990s and then again sort of 2007, 2008. This is a new one. This is totally different. So that's why 
I think what we're trying to do is to understand how it relates to the other risks and the other problems that we've experienced, how we can get that experience we've had before and use that now to try and help our younger directors and younger MDs who probably are completely out of their depth here at the moment. But it is actually trying to just keep your feet on the ground and try and understand what is happening. I think the state of the mind of a chairman, you need to be, you're going to be cautious, but you don't want to be too pessimistic. I think, again, keeping the teams positive, trying to move forward as best they can. I've actually spoken to one or two colleagues in the last week, uh, ex-colleagues in the last week, and I think what's come across to me is that they don't know what the full set of problems are. Whilst a lot of builders have gone back and are working at, at lower levels of production, What's coming across to me is that not all subcontractors, yeah. but all consultants, material suppliers have unfurloughed their staff at the present moment. So whilst the builders at the moment don't seem to be having too many issues, there's a lot of, sort of caution about what might happen as companies start to return and as production starts to pick up. Probably not dissimilar to being in a recession. An old chief exec of mine and myself, we used to say, actually, you're not an MD till you've been through a recession quite easy to make money when the market's with you and you've got rising prices, easy to make profits because a multitude of sins if you've got rising prices. Managing in a recession is a whole different ballgame and I think that's where we're at. But again, time is going to tell who's good and who's bad, I think, and who's going to move forward positively. That kind of leads me on to the, the, the next question. So during this post-COVID-19 environment, what are you looking for from your managing directors? Honesty, first of all. I think that's the most important thing, that they are your eyes and ears of what's going on. They are the ones that have the link with your board of other directors and, and other senior management. And they're the ones that need to be feeding through to you with the directors, of course. What is the actual truth and the honesty? Anecdotally, some years ago, one of our construction directors came to a board meeting and said, Great news. We told you we weren't going to hit the targets at the end of the year. Now we are. This was about four year, four weeks before the uh, the year end. And the last thing we wanted to hear was that they were actually bringing a program in that we'd already told group we're not going to happen. So we want that truth to come through all the time. So it is that honesty that you <laughs> need to get through from your team all the time. So that's the starting mm -hmm. point. And then you can start working with them on the risk assessment and you can start working with them on what issues you hadn't even thought about. Andy, for the new MDs on the block, of which there's it's quite a number of fairly newly promoted MDs recently have stepped up from being a discipline director. And it's a big step going from one of six to becoming the number one. What's your advice to these guys? I think again for new MDs, maybe with only two, three, four years experience if I haven't been through a recession. I mean again these guys will have been promoted because they're, you know, they're energetic, they're self-motivated, they can work under pressure. But going forward, John's already said you know, previously, it's going to be about communication. They will need to formulate where the business is at, where the business is starting to move forward. I think it's going to be very important for them to work with their board of directors and their senior managers to formulate the business plan. They're going to have to work with them carefully. I think it's going to be very important for them to communicate that to the staff that are working from home, working remotely on the sites, and obviously as office staff come back from furlough, understanding 
been working sort of alternate days in offices. So communication is going to be the highest priority in the first instance. He needs to know what his what his short term targets are, and he needs to get those over to his staff so as they all pull in the same direction. And then you know, for newly promoted guys in the past, let's talk two thousand eight, two thousand twelve. It, it was the last big recession. As a chairman, what type of support are you giving these guys? Is it are you checking in daily with them? Or what? How do you go about that? Yes, a lot of contact. So I think it's important that you are there to assist. You're not there to do their job because that's what they're there to do. But you are there to ask the right questions. I think a lot of people will be getting very focused on the current problems created by the COVID-19. And they're actually, what does that actually mean on a day-to-day basis? But certainly the role of the chairman and the MD is to think about the five and 10-year plan still. So Mm. you've got to be looking at what decisions you're making now that need to be made to ensure that you have still got a business plan that can be delivered over the future years. What planning applications still need to be made? And what is the impact on that with your external partners and the team you've got? And as Andy was saying, if your architects and others and your consultants aren't actually working well at the moment, that's going to put a delay on that side of your business. So you've got to be thinking as the chairman with your MD as to the current problems, how do you do with that? But then what does that impact on the long term? I like that. In terms of what I've seen recently in the marketplace talking to guys is that there's a, an awful lot of firefighting that's happened in this last two to three months. And then as, as you've rightly said, it's not losing sight of those mid to long term goals of which you've probably been putting in place for the last five, six years. Do you see that there is a, a tendency from some managing directors to maybe slip into the firefighting site and they're like permanently firefighting the whole time they've been MDs in your group and then you've got the other MDs who are do the firefighting but also are, are thinking strategically you know kind of the, the three to five year plan or, or further is, is that common in the industry? We're in a very difficult situation and I think in firefighting from the MD with the short-term issues probably the human human sort of feelings that you know you're under fire You've got to think a bit more strategically about the long term. Look at the, uh, the longer term horizon. I think in terms of your business is in a poor state at the present moment. It's getting back up and running. I'd certainly be having a lot of contact with my MDs, talking to them, being a sounding board for them. I think they've they've got a lot of staff around them, certainly in the big PLCs, that can worry about the short term management of issues. You know, building directors will worry about subcontractors, technical directors will worry about consultants. The MD, he needs to worry about some of the short term, but he also needs to think beyond the next three months, beyond the next six months. I agree with John, you know, planning applications for the future. Uh, he needs to think about his following financial year and the year after that. Quite difficult when you're, you're under intense pressure. Again, I was talking to somebody only yesterday where the production is leading them into valuations and extending prelims. And again, it's very easy to get dragged down and feel that the whole world is against you. And it probably is in the short term. Keeping your head up, sorting out where you want to go, I think is key to moving forward. I think young guys that worry too much about individual items and the short-term problems, I used to have an MD work for me. You could tell he, he was 
under pressure by just walking into his office, you'd almost be looking out the window and staring into space, feeling the burden of all of those issues. I can use to make him a cup of tea, sit down, talk about the, the issues, but try and take him and guide him onto other things. And that comes with maturity and two recessions. It's going to be difficult. The only thing I would say, though, uh, Gerald, is that we haven't come from a boom in market. What we've had over the last couple of years is the Brexit market, if I could call it that. We've had some tremendous uncertainty as we were running up to the general election last year. I, I, I was still involved in some of those meetings. And it's like, you know, what is going to happen? What are the two options? And, and yes, you then did your risk assessments that if it all went the wrong way, one way, whichever that way it is, what was the impact that was going to have on our market? So you've had chairman group MDs thinking about problems for the last couple of years. What we have now is just a new dynamic. So it's trying to understand how the changes impact on what risks we were thinking about previously and how we deliver on that. Um, so I, th I think that's quite a fundamental difference between this problem now and what we had in the last recession where we were having a boom and everyone thought this is fantastic all of a sudden overnight it all goes wrong whereas mm. we've managed some of these problems for quite some time it's worth noting the brexit deal is still to be done uh, yes covid-19 is not a big problem you've still got brexit <laughs> working in the background or the finalized deal at the end of this year just about interest so we go from COVID-19 to Brexit 20. Yeah. <laughs> Good job I can laugh at. Could we, could we back to uh, sort of the phase two COVID-19 as well? Uh, <laughs> don't, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> right. In terms of, the, you know, the managing director, you know, is he is he going to have to adjust how their teams work at the moment? And, and any suggestions? John? I think what he's going to be doing, there's going to be a thread and a theme that runs through, and that's communication. The MD's got to pull these things together. So he's got to understand what issues there are within his various teams. There are going to be a, a, there's a lot of misinformation out there that he's going to have to deal with as well. There's going to be a lot of fear around certain issues. Sickness is still going to be an issue with staff and with subcontractors. Andy mentioned previously, and I know in talking to the guys, that Material delivery is still quite an issue for a lot of them. Subcontractors are not actually working or they're de dealing with things in a slightly different way. So I think the MD's got to take a, a slightly different role now and actually be all things to all people within his sites and within his teams. But there is no one solution fits all. So he's, he's got to be fleet of foot as well to be able to manage the process. And Andy? Uh, we've got to move on to sort of following that really specific issues. I think, you know, is, you know you've got furloughed staff that are returning after three months' break. You've got to get these staff back into a routine. There's going to be issues like childcare because the children haven't returned to school. You know, you may have parents, again, furloughed, not furloughed, not quite knowing whether they've got a job. Some of that will feed through into the workplace. I think retained staff over the last three months have been working from home. Some of them will have now started to return to operational sites, but they, some of them will be returning to offices. And I think they're going to face all sorts of issues. I mean, big building companies, even small building companies, operate on a sequence of meetings, weekly build sales, design, planning, technical site starts, 
I suspect, as we are today, we're all getting very used to Zoom and this type of online meeting. So the formats, you know, the previous formats that the company was operating on, there's a lot of practical issues to overcome to move forward. And I think as John's related to what you need from your staff and your senior managers is honesty. You don't really want too many big issues coming out of the out of the woodwork next week that could have been highlighted this week. The meeting formats make companies tick. You know, they're often boring, but they pick up the detail. I've already mentioned third parties, I think suppliers, subcontractors, consultants, local authorities. John was saying yeah. previously a lot of his work with local authorities. They're going to have all the same issues that the builders uh, are going to have. And you're never going to be quite sure what they are putting in place or what they are doing to reorganise their companies going forward. You're going to have to do staff again to have to adapt. And as John said, the MD is going to be a big part of that, along with his his other directors. They're going to have to play a big part in that communication. What you'd like them to do is to pick up some of the issues early, if possible, and the earlier the better. So at least they can discuss them, talk about them, and formulate a way forward. You're into difficult times. A lot of this stuff is really new. I'm, I'm sure some of you guys, you, even you two have been in the industry for years, have not experienced some of the issues which are coming up now. People being furloughed, et cetera, coming back into the, the office, mental health issues. How much is that driven from the, the, the C-suite, the main board and the, the HR and everything? And, and, and how does it percolate down to the managing directors who then make it happen? How, how does that happen in a bigger organisation? This is really the communication side of things. The frustration I have at the moment is we love Zoom meetings. We love these meetings where we're actually talking to each other. But one of the things I prided myself on is is sort of understanding body language. Andy mentioned it previously about the MD and looking out the window. And these are the sort of things that actually you get a grasp of when you go. When you go into a building site, you know if there's a problem. If I could just mention this one time, the, the sad news we got last Friday of um, uh, Tony Pitchley passing away, which was, Tony was my boss for 20 years. So I learned a lot from him. And what was amazing was he had an ability to walk onto any site and know if there was an issue or a problem, whether it was the way people were standing, whether it was the way people were just answering his questions. And I think that that's something that most good chairmen have and MDs have as well. And that's what we're lacking at the moment, that ability to be able to understand what the key issues are. Now, those issues are the ones that we then react to. So when you're looking at somebody that doesn't look quite right, you know he's got a problem. Is it a mental issue? Is it a family issue? What is the, Those are the ones that still the MD's got to be dealing with. He's got to be taking his directors to one side and talk about individual members, talk about teams that aren't quite working, it's going to be quite fundamental because this is going to change on a very regular basis. And there's a lot of information out there, whether it's true or not, that he has to assimilate, everyone is assimilating. And what does that mean to us? And what does that mean to our family and to our industry? So it's bringing a complete new dynamic to to the workplace that we perhaps in the past haven't dealt with strongly enough. We know that mental health issues is one that our industry has been dealing with over the last, what would we say, a year, two years maximum, but over the last year, it's been a serious thing. 
So I'm quite pleased that that has been happening because I, I think that's going to be a bigger problem going forward. But just family pressures, I think, are going to be quite important to our staff, our directors and our subcontractors. As a company, though, and as a chairman, how, how do you, you know, these bigger issues of, you know, the managing director, he's not an expert on, on mental health or, or some of these other issues which have been brought up. How, does it come from C-suite, come down to chairman, come into the, the MDs and then how, how does it work? There's been a lot of work within the industry of ensuring that your key staff are aware of some of the, of the issues that are there with certainly mental health. So we had within Barclay quite a lot of work with our directors and MDs on trying to identify some of the issues that were there, trying to be more thoughtful, more caring about a lot of things rather than just jumping in as we might have done in the past and uh, kick ass is not always the right answer. Certainly with the companies I've been with, Gerard, they've started to develop things like helplines which are well publicised within, certainly within the PLCs. I think John's right. HR have done an awful lot more to do with mental health. So there are helplines out there. You're looking at a man, I have to say, I, I don't do sympathy and empathy particularly well, but I think over the last five years, I've been changing. As I came to the end of my tenure, I think it's been talked about an awful lot more. I think I've come from an era where kicking ass was probably more the management style. I think today, life has changed. I think COVID-19 will bring on a lot of problems for people. Just listen to some of the stories, you know, grandparents who haven't met their grandchildren, having two children, three children at home for the last three months. Summer holidays aren't bad enough, just entertaining holidays, but actually trying to educate them. So people are feeling the stresses, the strains, you know, going back to work in difficult, awkward situations. I think, like John, I've relied on a lot of body language. I think often I can tell whether people are actually listening to what I'm saying or paying lip service. I think the senior regional chairman, the MDs, are going to have to be looking out for people with problems. And HR's good starting points within my previous company. They've got external consultants again that can help with these issues and relieve some of the pressure. I think, again, it's going to be down to the regional chairman. You know, if you're running six divisions, I've got one or two MDs were as long in the tooth as I want. Uh, I've been around, been through two, possibly. In fact, I started in a, a recession in 1979, I think, in 1980. So actually, I started in the recession. So I think one or two people have got years of experience, will adapt and move forward quite, quite well. But I think you're going to have young MDs, a lot of young divisional directors. They were going to find the playing field has changed. They're going to have to adapt. And you may even be looking at some of your own directors struggling with, with mm. adapting to where we are. Um, so it's certainly something to be aware of and, and keep an eye out for. Take appropriate measures. One of the biggest stresses at the moment going on with people, furloughings come to an end. A number of companies are making redundancies at the moment before furloughings. The government supports happen. But you know, if companies, if managing directors are making redundancies, you know, what would you want from your directors? That you know, it's pretty tough times, one of the tough parts of the job, I guess. I think it gets back to this honesty part that actually you and your MD with your board have got to really have a good review of the business plan, have a good review of what assets and what 
staff are required and then make those decisions in a rational way, mindful also of what's going to be coming through in the future. So I've seen it happen in the past that you, you cut yourself to the bone and then when it starts to get a little bit better, you just haven't got the facilities and the staff there to, to be able to take through. You cannot deliver a business plan if you haven't got the assets there to do it. So you've got to be honest and have that discussion. And then you've got to sit down with your HR team and go through the staffing levels and make some difficult decisions. That's part of the role of chairman and MDs. You know, there's always going to be this situation on a, I would say almost on a week by week basis as to whether the team is working right. Do you employ more? Do you change some? Do you have to make some redundant? It's never a pleasant time and it's even harder now but it is part of the role of what we have to do, but has to be managed carefully. And Andy, anything to add on that? Well, I've got a feeling that, that redundancies will probably be inevitable within a lot of organisations. I mean, you saw this morning, Red Road, their figures are down by a third at the end of their financial year. So people may be sort of two hits, maybe one hit with a bit of caution, I think, because John's right, companies... They're going to have a lot of land, a lot of projects underway, a lot of stuff for the future. So they're probably going to look to do the minimum amount of reductions in overhead staff at present moments, but may have an eye to where the market goes over the next two, three, four months. Again, I've picked up recently that actually as they've opened their sales offices, sales in the last two, three, four weeks, certainly out in the shires. I'm not too sure about London, but certainly in the shires, have actually been at a very good level. Right. All with that, cancellation rates have increased slightly. And one or two of the big builders have introduced, they introduced a while ago, a COVID-19 clause, giving people a way out of their contracts if they lose their job, for instance. And again, this is going to be a difficult one to judge. You know, if you're going to make redundancies, how far do you come back? And I suspect in the short term, the tendency, I think, from the big PLCs will be to tinker at the edges. You know, if you've got operational sites, for instance, with two labourers, two forklifts, I suspect. We've already cut back one forklift driver, one labourer. What we do in the offices, again, by cutting back on the, 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 the sort of lower end jobs, you don't make many savings. Bigger roles save the money. But again, you want to preserve company going forward so i think at the moment it will be a, a little bit of suck it and see numbers are certainly going to go backwards it's whether they believe they're going to improve in the future and just how they're going to improve it and we've already mentioned you know you've got brexit on the horizon difficult situation with all of this with redundancies happening and everything i, I always try and look at the the opportunity that might lie there for, for certain people within the company and now is a time to our candidates, you know, now is a time for them to be able to step up, you know, the senior managers to step up to show their worth, the discipline directors to step up to take on other parts of projects and take on extra responsibility. Have you got any examples or any advice on, on what you would be expecting the different levels maybe to be to be doing, whether it's site managers and then the <clears throat> commercial? I'm not sure, Jared, if it's, it's different now. I mean, the world is different. But you were always looking for your younger guys to start showing what they can actually do. 
within Barclays some years ago, we set up a mentoring system with the with the senior managers bringing through the younger ones. Even if I've mentored quite a number of them myself. And I think that's what you're wanting to see again. What I think you are going to see, I mean, Crest came out with, what, 350 redundancies last week. So, I mean, I think there are going to be some some quite big changes in some of the companies. And that sort of almost from MD downwards, I understand, you know, a region was closed. So it's going to be at every level. What you're looking for your teams to do is just to prove their worth. And actually, I think it's important that people get on and do their job and show that they have some strategic thinking and lateral thinking. And I think you should be there to respond, be open to respond when people come up to you with new ideas and and thoughts and processes of how things could change to make it better for the company. That happens all the time, but you're looking for it a little bit more now when this problem is there. How do you redesign an office so that actually you can get more people sitting in there? How can you move the finance department somewhere else so that all of the other team can fit on one floor? It's those sorts of things that you would be wanting to have a debate on at every level. With the length of service I've had in the industry, unfortunately, I've made people redundant uh, on a few occasions uh, in, in previous recessions. I think, firstly, treat people with respect. It's extremely, you know, it's difficult news to deliver. If you're on the receiving end, it will be a difficult time for you. People often forget that actually the people, and often it's the MD, the divisional directors, delivering the news about redundancy can be quite stressful. Uh, Going back to mental health, you're putting, you know, 350 people out of a job, uh, and as a division, you're dealing with 50 of those. Uh, it will give you sleepless nights. Uh, there always may be a little bit of deadwood in a company, um, but what I found is that if you make multiple redundancies, you're cutting into good people uh, and it's difficult to deal with. I think as a regional chairman, as a managing director, as divisional directors, you will know who your upcoming right individuals are. The likelihood is that if you can keep them, that's what you will do. You'll be talking to them about taking extra responsibility because you know, undoubtedly you can't make as press have done 350 redundancies without then spreading some of that workload across a smaller pool of people. Um, yeah. So it is a time out of all this bad news. One thing to do perhaps is to take individuals to one side and say, look, you know, this is an opportunity. You've been retained, been retained because we think you've, you've got something for the future. Now's your time to step up and, and show us what you've got. And you need that. You're going to need it. I think the other thing is that the people that are retained in businesses, what I found in 2008, is actually, and it's probably quite a British thing, people do pull together. Probably because they're worried about the future of the company and their own job. But actually, people do pull together. I can remember a buying manager coming up to me. He'd survived the round of cuts. And he said, Andy, if you need me to do anything, let me know. And I said to him, here's a list of five things. <laughs> <laughs> there were nothing to do with buying. You know, I needed somebody to set up and run management companies. You know, having made the change, I said, you can assist and help. So there are, to me, there's good opportunity. I think you can sell it on the way of, um, to retain stuff, retain stuff, that they, they're going to get a broader experience. So the negative of redundancies, I think, can be turned around with staff that are retained. 
undoubtedly, again, there are going to be issues, problems. I've always been, I think, warmed by the attitude of a lot of people. I mean, again, in 2008, Beltway made a lot of people redundant. It then came up to pay increase time. And uh, my board of directors said to me that they couldn't believe Beltway were going to give a pay increase. They volunteered as a board of directors to take no increase and said that they actually felt it was a little bit in, in poor taste. And I spoke to the chief exec, and the chief exec you know, thanked me for the, the, the uh, kind gesture, but said that we are, we decided as a, as a group that they would give out a small pay increase to the people retained. So, you know, and he was amazed by the gesture that the board of directors stepped forward and actually said that. It shows you that there can be a good spirit even after redundancy. Um, but it's going to bring a new set of problems on top of all the other problems that are, you know, post-COVID-19 is bringing at the present moment. On another note, and it's kind of, you know, if, if you're a managing director, how do you make sure that you're not one of those statistics? Because it could be easy to hide behind the fact that we're in a crisis and it's all gone wrong and it's not my fault and, and everything else. And, and this is every every layer within the company. But as a managing director, how do you make sure that you're not one of the statistics of, you know, you guys looking at them? And, and we've discussed some of it, what what we're looking to demonstrate. But the fundamental basics, what, what does that guy need to do? Very short story. I joined Bellway in May 2008 because of the takeover with my previous company. And they waited for me to turn up to make redundancies and amalgamate two divisions. Uh, and I ended up serving redundancy notice at the end of my first week with Bellway on about 150 people. I ultimately made 50 people uh, redundant. And going back to the experience right now, I sat looking at the business thinking, where do we go from here? And I remember having a conversation with my chief exec and said that I had a business plan. And he said, good, let's hear it. I said, one word, survival. <laughs> he said, I'm going to be that busy that you are not going to be able to turn the lights off and lock the front door. And you go back to the, the business plan and things we've spoken about. I genuinely worried that I joined a company where they could shut their Midlands division down. We go back to the business plan, but we've got several things going. My technical director, we're in a big regeneration scheme. And I said to my technical director, I do not want to see you. I want you to get into the local authority that we're in partnership with. You've got a whole load of schemes that are due to come forward. I don't want to see you. You don't spend all your time in their office and get those schemes. I'll worry about getting them up and operational with the building director. I've got ex-technical experience. And as an MD, we were doing 500 legal completions a year in 2009 and 2010. And the subcontractors responded to us in terms of a lot of them were taking the work without profit just to keep their own staff in place. 18 months later, I was promoted to regional chairman and I didn't even know there was a job. And I look back and I think it was probably about attitude. You know, I'm not a particularly clever person. I'm no cleverer than the next person sitting next to me. Mm. But my attitude was, I'm going to make this work. It's a new company. When he promoted me, he actually said to me, Andy, you'll have a problem with one of the MDs. He's been with the company 20 years. He said he'll be very upset that he hasn't been promoted. And I said to him, well, actually, I won't have a problem. He'll have a problem. Okay. Quite a determined person. 
that's a story that relates to me personally, but I think it's about attitude. I think, you know, managing directors need to step forward, show what they're made of, and get on and deliver the job. And I think that's what will keep them in their job at the end of the day, depending how deep the cuts are and how fundamental um, the company's got to go back. But you'll be looking for people with good fighting spirit, I think, to move it forward. Right. John, any, anything to add on that, mate? No, I mean, I think that's that's very true. What you're asking all of your staff, particularly your MDs, is is to show commitment and show that they can they can look at the issues that are there and come up with solutions. What you wouldn't want from your MD is to come to you for a meeting with a whole list of risks and issues and no solutions. So what you're asking him to do is, look, what is the solution? What is the problem? In both the macro and in the micro level, so you know you've got to, he's got to be thinking of everything all the time. And as Andy said, you know he's got to be the one that said, "Look, I've, I've looked at the business, and I think this is where we've got a problem. But I think this is how we can solve it. This is how we can still deliver the same number of homes a year that we've been talking about. I've been talking with the architects. I've been talking with the local authority, and this is my proposal going forward. That's what you would be expecting." Because you're, you are expecting all your MDs to be trying to get your job. And that's what you want. Natural progression, yeah. we call it, but cutthroat is another way. But, but, but that's fine because that's what you're expecting from them. Yeah, I was always happy with six MDs who wanted my job because at least I knew they were focused. Yeah. yeah. Just finally, on a, on a kind of a closing note on, and on a more general note, is there anything else that a managing director or directors within a business unit should be doing at the moment and I'll, I'll start off i'll start off with john again i think getting positive i mean i think that, that yeah. one of the things that could happen at the moment and I, I see it quite a lot is pessimism everywhere and we were falling into that trap a little bit with brexit last year but i think there are some positive things that should be said i think if you are the chairman and certainly from group level downwards and you are looking at your various mds and regions you are always slightly concerned about reputational damage. So any stories that are coming out from the company, any issues should be positive. So how you handle the redundancies, there's a positive spin to it. We've only made 5% of our staff redundant, 95% still got a job and they've got a pay rise, whatever the story might be. But I think you are looking at your team supporting you and supporting the company. And I think that's very important. And at the same time, you've got to be delivering your business plan this year and in five years' time. So, And you're saying to your team, look, this is your job for the next five years. So it's the reason why we're doing things. It's the reason why we, we get there. Then very soon and very quickly, you've got to start thinking about how you bring your teams together. It might not be so easy to get that Friday night in the pub or whatever else it might be, but there's got to be some bonding session somewhere coming through so that Possibly you and your board just go off for the day to have a brainstorm, but somewhere where you can have a decent something to eat and whatever else it might be. I think normality has to come back. Um, and it, it's how you plan for that and how you take that forward in the next six months. And Andy? I think on some specific issues, I think all the companies have shown a tremendous amount of flexibility during the last three months. They're probably going to have to continue to build on that as. Mm -hmm norm returns whatever norm might look like but i think you're gonna to have to trust your staff if you're going to work from home so i think 
trust. I think I think as an industry again, I think we, we mentioned sort of you know attitude of kicking ass. I think again, if people are working from home, you're going to have to trust to get them through their workload. You're going to know with them to get through the workload. As, as normal returns, you're going to find out the things that are being done or not being done. Um, I think we've mentioned it all the way through. Emphasis on teamwork. You know, there's no one person is is going to get you through um, the near future. It's going to be about the, the, the whole team, the whole team pointing in the right direction. I mentioned flexible working hours. You may even have to flex a lot more on work. I, I was always a bit reticent not to let people start at sort of half past nine in the morning, 10 o'clock, because you get a lot of staff. Sites start at eight o'clock. It's quite difficult to let your buyers start at half past nine in the morning when sites stuff are there at eight o'clock. But I think, again, you're going to have to take note of the current circumstances and work with that. I think that in itself will help some of the bonding with the staff. The fact that you are flexible will help them. You might not like Zoom. You're going to have to get used to it. FaceTime, quite like FaceTime, actually. I think uh, instead of making a phone call to a, a site manager, perhaps you should FaceTime it. At least there's a bit more sort of uh, eye contact with people yeah. and you can see their gesture. You can see their body language. I think if staff come forward, one thing that I always used to do uh, pre-COVID is, you know, if, people, if staff come forward with good working practices, new ideas, is to get, you know, and I'm sure that there are going to be some coming out. Um, going back to sort of how many people can you get into an office and how does it work? If somebody comes up with a good idea, is making sure that best practice spread across the other operational divisions uh, and if it is good practice that it's taken up. Like you say, there's not going to be much drinking in pubs, I don't think, and sort of pizza evenings and all that type of thing at the present moment. I'm sure somebody's going to come up with a different way of bonding. I had my daughter-in-law <laughs> recently organised a bingo evening on Zoom for the family and what a crazy, crappy evening it was. And maybe, <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe the MD needs to organise something in terms of, you know, getting 15 people on Zoom, try and generate that team spirit. But certainly it's uh, you're in different times. You're going to look for anything that's new, exciting. I find Zoom quite exciting, actually. whole new way of operating. And I'm 61. So I've got used to the technology. If I get used to it, anybody else can. So, yeah, be positive. Fantastic, fantastic. Look, I don't think there's any silver bullet with all of this COVID thing. And I think a lot of it is what you've talked about is just real common sense. But it is a time to get gritty and to get really stuck into it. And as you say, both of you say, time to kind of kick ass and stand up and, and you know, stand up and show what show what you can do, whether you're a managing director or whether you're a site manager or QS or wherever you fit into the company. It's a, it's a time to shine. So, look, thanks for that, guys. If anybody would like to speak with the guys direct or, or get a specific question answered, then please forward me the question, which you can email me at Gerard, G-E-R-A-R-D, at hc-group.co.uk, and I'll pass on to the guys directly. Also, as always, we'll be following this up with a questionnaire, possibly a phone call because your input, the guys who have watched, listened, etc. Uh, getting your input is really important if we're going to continue to develop the House Builder Business Resilience Hub and the Good to Great podcast series. But once again, take care and stay safe. All the best. Thank you. Thank you.
Discover how to build your UK house builder business and attract the top 15% of leadership talent using one-to-many platforms, automation and 24-7, 365 proven digital strategies before your competition. Be sure to subscribe for more podcasts from the Good to Great series featuring leading voices from the UK house building industry from small to medium businesses to leading PLCs. Don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content possible. For more information, call 0203 800 1080 or check out www.hc-group.co.uk and book a client or candidate blueprint strategy session.